Hey, this is Louisiana Sister Squad podcast, where we bring you real information to enhance your truther lifestyle. I'm Katie. And I'm Tammy. Welcome Welcome to to the the show. show. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Tam. Good to be here. My background's biomedical sciences, uh, undergrad in biology, uh, pharmacy in grad school. Decided way late in life after I left school that I didn't want to stand in a retail pharmacy uh, for the last 40 years of my life. So I, you know, I'm more of an outgoing person, turned tail and went to finance. Have been doing that since September of 2013. Held many roles in finance, um, done, you know, traditional financial planning, wealth management, investments, and been a partner at uh, two different Fortune 100 private financial firms. Most recently, before all this kind of kicked off, I was a, a cryptocurrency hedge fund portfolio manager for a firm based out of Indianapolis. And then, as you guys know, the market crashed in March, April, and as I was doing kind of part-time um, planning and you know helping people and helping current clients, I started digging into a lot of the things that had been going on around around the world, not just with you know Arizona elections, but with COVID and with a lot of the high inflation and Ukraine and all this. And the more that I found, I kind of whether I wanted to or not, it kind of became a full time job and. Then the Maricopa County elections happened. And obviously you keep finding more and more information. Things lead, you know, one right after the other. And next thing you know, here we are in what feels like a hostile takeover of our sovereignty and the nation itself and the world at large. So I guess that's that's what we're doing here today. And it's like it's been drinking from a fire hose for me as much as it has been for anybody else. Um, my focus is to educate and wake as many up as we can because we have a hell of a fight on our hands. Let me ask you about uh, about crypto first, um, because I heard that you were having a Twitter space in regards to crypto, and you're basically doing like a beginning, like anybody that doesn't know anything about crypto, come in and we'll we'll give you the rundown. So for a long time. Uh, my clients would ask me, and I was working for a long time in the traditional financial space, and as crypto became more and more popular, obviously clients would ask me about Bitcoin, they'd ask me about Ethereum, XRP, Cardano, and even though it wasn't something that I did directly, it was incumbent upon me as their financial advisor to be educated to a level that I could give them my honest opinion, because they were going to do it anyway, whether or not I said do it or don't. And I couldn't in good conscience tell them not to because I was doing it myself on the side. And eventually I learned more and more about it, learned more and more about blockchain, what the technology was, what the opportunity was, especially for retail investors. And I started becoming more interested in knowing about crypto and and the blockchain technology itself and decentralized finance. That's That's where my Twitter handle comes from, DecentFi. And next thing you know, I see an opportunity for the retail investor to take back their power, their control of their their currencies that their governments had been 
eroding for you know as long as you know fiat currency has been around and next thing you know i had an opportunity i was a partner with a firm in chicago illinois i had an opportunity to become a portfolio manager for a hedge fund that was centered around cryptocurrency and it was kind of like a it was a one of those you know call to answers that you can't you know ignore and because of my passion about it and my knowledge of it and then the thing about the thing about cryptocurrency but also when you pay attention to things is that you start figuring out all right who stands to gain things who stands to lose things and the players involved and what their ulterior motives might be and back in march and april obviously we had the crypto market crash and i had told my boss who was the ceo uh, I think that there are some deeper seated players um, with ulterior agendas going on behind the scenes. And I could see a controlled or intentional destruction of the crypto market to wreck the retail investors. He was the one with his name on the shingle. Uh, unfortunately, I was not the one who could make that ultimate decision. All I could make was my recommendations. And I understand his his frame of mind, he, he was very bullish on the space. I, I remain bullish on the space, but I don't remain bullish on the people that have their hands on the levers of powers in the space. And next thing you know, two months later, we get a huge crash in the crypto markets. Fast forward to, to November 8th, and we get another big crash of the crypto markets. And we see some really strange transactions uh, centered around FTX, both going into the platform and out of the platform. And this was at the time, right when Ukraine started getting a whole bunch of our money, you know, and it all seemed coordinated. Everything has seemed coordinated. You know, it's parroted messaging, you know, just repeated by the same few players. And that was a red flag to me. And I'm not going to be the highest IQ guy in, in any room that I walk into, but I'll be I'll be pretty, pretty high. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. But as far as pattern recognition and EQ and, and things like that and understanding numbers, uh, I know that my ability is as good as, you know, I know of, you know, in that space. And I feel like in this situation, our responsibility is to use whatever abilities we have to help as many people as possible. And that's kind of how the Twitter thing came to be. Um, with the guardrails, finally off largely with Elon buying Twitter. Now here was a microphone for us to be able to try to, you know, wake up as many people as possible, share documents, share paper trails, share information that wouldn't just warrant you a ban. You know, my, my current account uh, is basically a replacement account of the one prior to that was just evaporated. I mean, Yoel and, and Vijaya, they just basically erased my previous Twitter account. Do you feel like you were <clears throat> investigating and ahead of the curve on the FTX story breaking? Because I know a lot of people that were involved in that world. Um, I won't say a lot of people, but I do know of several people that were kind of involved in that world that knew something was wrong with FTX prior and were trying to break and figure out what was actually happening. Well, I, I didn't know how deep it went, but I had my suspicions because I looked at 
certain things leading up to a midterm election, especially with record inflation going on, especially with the COVID and the vaccine and the mask mandates, and especially with you know the disingenuous messaging around you know peaceful summer of love riots are not a super spreader event but college football games on saturdays in the south those are definitely super spreader events and all the things that went into operation warp speed all the things that went into um sam bankman freed's meetings with gary gensler and the organizations that he had put money into leading up to the midterms i realized okay the general public is really upset they're not happy the sentiment with the worst on un, uh unemployment the highest inflation people are going to express their concerns at the ballot box in november but Oh, and you also have the intelligence agencies being weaponized against parents of school board meetings and that against conservatives in general. And so you're sitting here leading up to an election that could be an existential crisis for so many, the, C the CDC, the World Health Organizations, the, F the FBI, all these organizations stand to lose their tax funding. They also stand to lose their, lose their existence altogether. Um, World Health Organization and NATO, those organizations, they're not domiciled to the United States, but they depend on our infusion of capital to continue to exist. And I'm thinking about potentially billions, if not trillions of dollars on the line, and people who have a vested interest in making sure that midterms, both the House and the Senate, do not end up in a point spread Republican majority because there are a lot of people that stand to face accountability and will have to answer tough questions and will probably face accountability. And so knowing what I knew about CISA and the EAC and the ERIC system and the players involved there and other players and government agencies that would potentially be at risk, I knew they weren't going to just sit idly by. They had motive. They had tremendous incentive to keep this going. And the more that I dug, I mean, I've been in finance 11 years and every single year we get trained on anti-money laundering. So we're forced to think like criminals. We're forced to notice inorganic, inorganic patterns that indicate manipulation of data or manipulation of transactions or, you know, layering or, you know, anything that you would do for concealment to hide what's really going on and i started noticing these things leading up to during and then especially after the elections and i figured pretty much about august that it's going to get bad they're going to do something i don't know what because obviously uh i'm not a psychic i don't have a crystal ball to predict the future, but I have a pretty good idea that this is an election they cannot afford to lose, but on paper and on the polling leading up to it, it's an election they have no way reasonably possible to win. So how are they going to do it? It was that kind of mindset for me. And so I was paying attention to every everything that I could leading up. So when you back up, when you zoom all the way out and we talk about the connections between money, the crypto crash, 
what's happening with inflation, Joe Biden being the resident in the White House, um, what happened in, you know, recently in Arizona, but our elections in a whole, when you zoom all the way out, how how is this all connected? Where did it start and where is it going to end? Well, it started um, with COVID itself. And see, my original account that um, got just nuked, got erased, became, I guess, infamous, if you will, for fighting the, the COVID narrative and fighting against a lot of these disingenuous, dishonest scientists, namely uh, Anthony Fauci, Christian Anderson, Peter Hotez, Eric Topol, uh, Jeremy Farrar at the Wellcome Trust. And I realized these people are obviously being dishonest. Because of my biomedical sciences background and my understanding of how an immune system works and how vaccines work and virology and how the body you know, processes foreign pathogens and clears itself or heals itself from those pathogens, I knew that when you've got healthcare professionals saying natural immunity doesn't exist or saying that vaccine immunity is not as good as natural immunity that goes against science that we've known for decades if not centuries at this point um the very in advent of vaccines itself with the smallpox outbreaks that have killed a large share of the population in the history of this planet and our species the advent of vaccines comes from the understanding that natural immunity is a thing that exists and it can be weaponized with attenuated or less harmful viral strains within a viral family like taking the smallpox virus, but it happens to be in the same viral family as the cowpox virus, which isn't nearly as infective, but it provides the human body immunosenescence or protection from a foreign pathogen without causing all the problems that getting infected with smallpox provides. And that's when I, it really started making sense that it was, this was all a fugazi. And, and I noticed, you know, when healthcare professionals started being dishonest, that there had to be, they weren't getting those directives from themselves. And the whole hospitals being overwhelmed when that messaging started coming out. And I would go on uh, the HMO websites and, and look at hospital, uh, hospital uh, networks within the major metros like Los Angeles or Harris County, Texas, or in Allegheny, Pennsylvania, or Michigan, or Atlanta, Georgia. I would notice the hospital occupancies don't match up to this fear-based narrative at all that they're construing. So that's when I knew it had to come, it had to be coming from the HMOs and from the, the higher levels up. And there was some kind of directive being passed down and funneled down through these pawns, which is all that we have been is just pawns on this chessboard to carry out the directive the directives of people that are calling the shots. And it it made me really sad because I love biomedical sciences. I love the healthcare field, um, but it's also made me rethink everything that I've learned, um, especially in pharmacy school, because 
I remember thinking it's going to feel great helping people and, and, and giving them advice on, you know, what they need to do to, to get past whatever ailments they have. And now I'm thinking, was it just the gold standard therapy is whoever was the highest bidder? Yeah. I, I started thinking, okay, was what I learned really the true gold standard treatment for each ailment or disease, or was it just this big pharma company paid the best to Joseph DePiro, who writes a lot of the writes a lot of the therapeutics books that they teach pharmacists and medical doctors. And it just became all a big corporate bureaucracy to me. And I never was I never was one of those people who was super conspiratorial, never was a big like, oh, you know, our, you know, we're controlled by the bankers. Like that was never me until just an objective assessment of the information I kept finding took me down certain paths. And it's scary. It wasn't you until you realized it was true. <laughs> that's a, that's a good way to put it. The same way that you, you know, different information woke you up and you started to, you know, put things together in the same way that you realize that like, okay, well, I've not been a conspiracy theorist and things like that. You realize how much of that label is, is fake. You have people like, such as like my sister and I like have been awake for like a really long time. I don't go down every single rabbit hole because at this point, it's kind of just like in hindsight that all of those things are true. There is a nefarious, evil entity involved in every aspect of our life. And you can't tell me that that's not true. The air is poison. The water is poison. Me like the pharmaceutical industry is toxic. The medical industry is a big lie. We have the ability to heal ourselves when it comes to banking money, all, like all of those things that is all connected. And that's not from being a conspiracy theory. It's from education. It's from your own research and your own realization. And so even the term conspiracy theorist is, um, it's, it's a made up term to make people think that just because you think differently from the narrative, something is wrong with you. That's extremely damaging to this, to society. How do we look at you know, other slurs as a bad thing. But the fact that can the word conspiracy theorist is controlled by the narrative, that's not going to be deemed a bad thing. That's damaging. That's harmful. And it closes people off to true and valid information. I've done this research. This is my background. This is what I know. Here's the document evidence. And they, they don't believe it. And yeah, the term conspiracy theory itself was coined by the CIA. Exactly. When we knew that. when we knew that JFK was murdered. And guess what? He was we murdered. Find out they, we find <laughs> out they had something to do with it. <laughs> there are a lot of things that uh, that are connected and not everybody is going to be as educated or as well researched. But in my opinion, it's better to to be presumptuous under um under the fact that there is evil entity we are lied to have been being lied to for a very long time so it's okay to question 
um, and I'll say reality because it's what people believe to be true to find your, you know, what is reality and then what are you going to do with the information? So, you know, thank you for, for sharing that journey of finding the information. What we didn't touch on is your information that you found on election fraud. You've been sharing a lot of good info. And so I wondered if we could dive into that. Yeah, the elections were a situation they couldn't afford to lose, but they had no realistic way to win legally going in at least. And so in those situations, you're really going to attack it. You're not going to leave your stealing method, if you will, up to one mechanism. You're always going to have backups and redundant systems in place the same way you would do anything if you wanted to ensure honesty and integrity. Um, anytime you fly on an airline, those every single plane that is um, you know, licensed or approved by the FAA today to fly commercial uh, passengers has at least minimum four redundant systems in the event that a, B, and C work, plan D can at least get people safely to their destination. Well, that's going to be the same way with the steal, with any kind of something that potentially lives and billions, if not trillions of dollars are at stake. And so I figured out using their own documentation, um, before we even get into the intelligence agencies or the you know, dominion aspect of it, we knew that they were going to be implementing the election day on-site in-person voting infrastructure. And the same people that would be, that we're finding now are potentially wrapped up in this big uh, cartels racket are the ones that are going to be administering the election and using their own models and everything compared from 2020, from 2018, going back to 2016, they expected and they admitted themselves they expected a huge surge of in-person voters this cycle compared to even just 2020 and in 2020 maricopa county itself which is the lar the third largest county in the entire country a hugely populated county and, and extremely important to winning the state of arizona it accounts for 62 percent of arizona's total population but in 2020 only 10% of people voted in person on election day, and they still had 395,000 people show up at a voting center to vote in person on election day, or they blamed the coronavirus pandemic. And leading up to this election, they expected roughly double that number. So if we do the math, 395,000, roughly double of that is gonna be roughly 400,000 times two which we can know is 800,000. Subtract 10 grand from it, and you're really looking at about 750 to 790,000 that they themselves reported because Republicans already learned in 2020, they don't trust the post office. They don't trust mail-in balloting. They don't trust ballot harvesting. They wanna show up, be handed a ballot, cast their vote, watch it go into the thing and be done with it. They wanna control as many lines of the chain of custody as possible and then that's how we got to the machine tabulation malfunctions and as 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 it goes uh 25 minutes on into election day of polls opening you had the first reports of machine tabulator malfunctions you had the reports of the 19 inches 
uh, ballots printed on 20 inch paper. You had the reports of all the breakdowns, the printers malfunctioning. You had, you know, long lines that were five and six times what they projected in their highest level models. But that's even compounded when you consider that they set up the infrastructure to where if nothing went wrong all day, Republicans still couldn't vote to meet the ex expected levels that they had from, from their own predictions. And to me, that said, okay, they were, they were going to set it up to where if everything went perfectly, uh, Republicans couldn't win. But still, that wasn't good enough. They're going to add another layer onto that. So they're going to make sure the time for people to vote was much higher, much lengthier. The lines of, that people stood in were two and three and sometimes even four hours. And then that wasn't enough for them. Then you add the intel agencies and the Dominion and the runback electronic voting and the potential switching as we heard at the Arizona Senate hearing two days ago. I mean, there was no, it was a multi-mechanism attack on the voting in Arizona. Let me say this, Arizona is not a blue state, not a single one of the top four candidates, in my opinion, who were selected, likely won their races. I'm absolutely certain Carrie Lake did not lose her race. I believe that she won probably by a margin of between 100,000 and 120,000. Um, Blake Masters was algorithmically, in my opinion, algorithmically tied to carry plus about a point and a half to two points uh, as far as margin. And that was strategically designed to make sure that Mark Kelly got into that Senate seat because, again, their first priority was ensuring that Republicans didn't control both the Senate and the House. Their second priority was making sure that they got the governor and the secretary of state in those seats. And that's why you saw Mark Kelly with the largest margin, because they took whatever they were doing with Kerry and they added an extra point and a half or two. And we dug and we dug and as things came out later on, and as time went by, more information has done nothing but <laughs> further corroborate, you know, everything that I've put out and that others have put out. And my focus early on was just to hopefully get enough people awakened so that they would help me, you know, and, and they would be uh, courageous enough to not only say, okay, there's something wrong here, but let me put this out there too. And now it's kind of become a a ragtag network of independent researchers and we're finding out you know more and more every day and where we are now i think everybody kind of knows yeah this was this was hijinks 101 absolutely trump won hi i'm jill hines co-director of health freedom louisiana a consumer and human rights advocacy organization. We fight for your right to say no to an unwanted medical intervention, and we'd like for you to fight with us. Find us at healthfreedomla.org and sign up for our Substack, and let's be in touch. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the show. Do you have a question for our podcast guest? We got you covered. 
your opportunity to speak directly with our podcast guest awaits. Join us on the Uncensored Platform Telegram. Link in bio. Now back to the show. There's, I don't have a doubt in my mind that that Trump won. And um, it's disheartening. It's dis- disheartening as an American to look at what's happening and the lack of accountability, the lack of action for these high stake crimes. It's terrible. And it makes me frustrated and furious. What do you say to somebody like for me when I I really try to make sure that if I if I'm thinking about it, if I'm reading about it, that I also step away from it because it's actually heartbreaking actually happen. You'll see that on post after post is that people going nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. What's going to happen? What do you have to say to them? It's easy to be cynical. Um, God knows I've been cynical in the past and especially over the last three years. But they always say the first casualty in every war is truth, and the first resurrection thereby needs to also be restoring truth when action needs to be taken. And obviously, if we were if we were them, we'd already be in the streets, we'd already be causing chaos, we'd already be rioting and burning things down that have nothing to do with anything involving the elections or what's going on but that's the problem with our side our side is committed to the the sense of at least a modicum of honesty in the criminal justice system and a modicum of honesty in law enforcement and integrity and and a commitment to the constitution but it seems the further into this thing that we get it's not that way and so we have to wake as many people up as possible, number one. And then we have to go to the court systems, in my opinion, and I don't want to give away the entire plan you know, that, that we have and that we're giving and working with the people behind the scenes to kind of rectify this in the way I, I and others believe it will actually work. But we have to go to the court systems and get uh, declaratory judgments as far as what's going on everything with the train derailments the election integrity the racketeering enterprise the human trafficking the child trafficking the genome trafficking the explosions the basically the crumbling the designed crumbling of our infrastructure in key supply line areas is act an act of war and we need to get the courts to say, okay, what rights do citizens who are Second Amendment following have to protect themselves and defend themselves and their families from acts of war? Because that's exactly what these are. And it needs to be incumbent upon us when we, you know, people read about this in the history books. They need to read that we did everything legally possible. We took every possible avenue that we could, and we found dereliction of duty at every single level before we took it to any other steps but only when those when those avenues are exhausted do we start having the conversation of the tree of liberty from time to time needs watering with the blood of patriots bringing this to like the court system and that's corrupt i'm not um a hopium smoker here, you know, how, 
how is it going to get resolved by going through the court system? Yeah, I, I, I would totally agree with you. The, the problem for them and the benefit for us is FTX.us, not the FTX Global, but the FTX.us is the organization, the entity directly involved in funneling what we believe to be a lot of our laundered tax dollars back from Ukraine into these certain pockets and certain politicians' campaigns and to subsidize a lot of the illegal activity that's been going on. What that does is that affords a right of action within the judicial system to every single state. And so thank God for states like uh, the state of Alabama. Just yesterday or the day before, the Secretary of State, he took a trip to see the ERIC system facility itself and verified that it's basically just a a rent-a-center like garage band that's completely empty. It's all a fugazi. And the problem for them is that, yes, they can control the Supreme Courts, they can control certain district courts and major metros, but they can't control every judge in every county, in every city, in every state. And that's going to be a problem for them because, thankfully, FTX, like, like I said, committed criminal activity that affects residents in all 50 states, each of those with their own private rights of action to adjudicate the malfeasance and the fraud that was placed upon the retail investors. And all that has to happen is getting one state or one judge or one case to get to discovery and the whole game changes because they can't get to a Supreme Court or a D.C. District Court, Circuit Court, or the U.S. Supreme Court without a case being realized and going through all of the preliminary discovery and and uh, depositions and full adjudication process that was not granted to Carrie Lake in Judge Peter Thompson's court for a two-day trial. That was a farce. They haven't bought mortgages for or deeds for every judge. I can promise you not in Alabama. Um, some of the judges that I know in this in this state absolutely despise what's going on. And they've just been sitting waiting for somebody to ask them their opinion and for a case like this to get in front of their court. And I think that's evidenced by the executives in power in the state of Alabama, at least to take it upon themselves and investigate. And Alabama is following Louisiana's example. Louisiana left the Eric system after doing their own internal investigation last year. Virginia right now, Jason Mieres, the attorney general just indicted Michelle White, uh, who is attached to the Eric system and the EAC. All she was was a lowly registrar in Prince William County in Virginia. But now that my connections in Virginia are being very tight-lipped because they they went into the initial investigation with no prior conception that this was going to be a huge racket. But kind of like what I mentioned about my research, they just kept looking and one thing led them down the path that it led to. And they realized that this is actually a much larger enterprise than they could have ever imagined. 
And whether you hear about it on the news or mainstream media, there is a much larger investigation going on right now than what anybody can possibly know. And thank God for FTX because it is the linchpin that gives private right of action to every state in which it had retail customers and which they operated because that is going to be their their downfall in my opinion okay i understand a little better now so what do you see for 2024 for 2024 we have one of three options and this ties into what you were just saying as well we have one of three options we can do nothing and let them just take over and do what they were going to do without any resistance. And that's a losing option. We know the outcome there. Or we can try to fight back and we can lose. Or we can try to fight back and we can win. And only one of those options gives us the outcome that we desire. But not taking action, not doing as much as we can do, gives us the outcome that we know we don't want. At least in the other arena. We are in the game. We will give everything that we have to basically salvaging this this republic and, and the American ideal and, and the country as it was originally founded hundreds of years ago. And if if we don't do something and fight this with every fiber of our being, 2024 will be irrelevant. And what I mean by that, it will just be a holy, it'll be a holy exercise in futility, um, going through the motions. People will show up at polls, uh, they'll stand in lines, but the only elected leaders will be the ones that are on their approved list. And until accountability starts being handed down to the people that are in these businesses controlling these levers of power that are undermining and subverting the constitution in our country as we know it then there won't be a 2028 i would be surprised if there's even a 2024 that's how like we're we are on the precipice of losing our country and i know that sounds cliche but this is the worst I've seen it. Think about before this year, before the last three months. When was the last time you remember seeing trains derailed, let alone four in one day? When was the last time you remember seeing multiple food plants blowing up? Just, I think it's something to the neighborhood of like 30 in the last six months like these are not accidents these are critical infrastructure pieces to take away the sovereignty and the independence ability of americans to grow their own food to have their own energy production to have you know sustenance themselves they want to pigeonhole us into complete government subjugation and it's I do feel like for the first time though, that our side is gaining momentum. And one thing that I will say that should give everybody a tremendous amount of confidence is that they're getting desperate. 
They are getting sloppier. Um, things are starting to happen more quickly, one right after the other. That is evidence of a, of a wild animal that's backed into a corner that is realizing that it's now or never because people, more people are waking up than they anticipated. And because of that, that causes them to do things on an expedited timeline, causes them to be sloppy, and it causes them to make mistakes that will leave breadcrumbs that we can capitalize on. And again, we have all 50 states where we just have to win one battle. And I believe it with every fiber of my being that we're going to win. Even if I didn't, I still would feel that it's my responsibility to give every fiber of my being to this fight because it's it's worth it several times over. And the only thing that they have advantageous over us is unlimited funding and the best technology in the world. But we don't have that, but we have the truth. We have people with a relentless will and a true love unending love for this country and for what it stands for and even if it means i was telling somebody the other day um you know god forbid if they ever if we ever came across somebody that was willing to toss us a few hundred thousand like vc funding the way so many of those lunatic ngos that we're fighting have oh god we would save the republic for just a few hundred thousand but even if it means we never get a penny of that, and if we never, if we never see any recognition, or if we never see any remuneration, or if we never even see a thank you for this, and it means us going into poverty for this fight, it's what we're going to do because the fight is worth it. And I believe it with every fiber of my being. And I truly believe that we're gaining momentum. We're gaining fighters. We're gaining people willing to stand up. It's nothing for somebody now to say, oh, yeah, I remember seeing that document that I saw pertinent to this one thing. Let me post that and help gather more information and put it in the public domain, because now we're basically crowdsourcing the fight, which is what I always had hoped when I first got started back in August and wake enough people up and whether it ever becomes really organized or not, just Let's build a cyber militia that will fight this thing tooth and nail so that we never have to build a real world militia that's going to mean bloodshed on domestic soil. Definitely agree. We have everything to lose and we have everything to fight for. It's not about money. It's about freedom and it's about truth. And I do think that the truth will, will always win. You have to be a digital soldier. Um, I think that it's a very selfish mindset to have the information and to sit on it or to not share it because um, you never know. So our, our last guest, Nikki, she's been trying to share um, truth about, you know, being involved in like toxic culture and trying to help people wake up to like what is happening in legislation. And, you know, sometimes we get tired and we just need to be reminded that <clears throat> If I present something, it might not resonate with somebody. But if you present the same thing, it might resonate with somebody. And so it's all about like who it's coming from, what kind of 
spin you put on it as far as like what your caption is, who you are, and then building trust. So like, you know, definitely when you share information, do your best to make sure that you're validating it, that it's coming from like a credible source. And just like, keep it moving. Because Jonathan, like you said, it really is all connected. For sure. Since you mentioned the Ukraine several times. So did you see this headline? Zelensky said, America will lose its leadership in the world if it does not support Ukraine. So Ukraine has blackmail on the entire administration that's installed. You've got Pelosi, Romney, Kerry, and Biden all connected to Burisma. Um, there are things there on that laptop um, that many of us have seen that indicates Ukraine has us by the, you know, you know what's, if you will, at least our current administration. And it's a pretty high price to keep them from putting out information about, you know, Metabiota and Burisma and the child trafficking and all of the, the hush money that's required is basically a blank check. And that's the only reason why we're sending unlimited resources. Uh, and I saw something yesterday, I think it's close to $200 billion. We're almost on the hook for that. That means that that must be some pretty terrible blackmail that they have. Um, it needs to stop. It's going to stop. The first target that, you know, regardless of what you think of Vladimir Putin, First target that he hit was the biggest bio lab cash cow that Metabiota had. And I don't know if a lot of people are aware of that, but production of vaccines, production of, or I should say gain of function research. We have reason to believe that a lot of the COVID and the variants uh, viruses themselves were produced and strategically released from Ukraine or satellite sites in Ukraine. Um, it's Ukraine has been longly or for a long time considered the arguably one of, if not the most corrupt country in in the world. Um, it's it's basically flirting with NATO right on Russia's doorstep, and NATO is nothing but a front for the sub the subversion of governments around the world and if you look at the atlantic council the atlantic council is basically the atlantic treaty association's united states subsidiary and they're not focused on deference or protecting or you know promoting global peace anymore they're focused on taking over governments, color revolutions everywhere, and installing their plants to foster this permanent, perpetual Western superiority that in no way is good for the citizens of the West. It's good for the leadership of the West. And that's not something that anybody who cares about the globe at large or the people around the world should want at all. These people are not our friends. 
Yeah, when it comes to the Ukraine, um, usually when I see anything about that, you know, everybody has their thing, whether it's Joe Biden or Nancy Pelosi. But for me, for months, it's kind of been like the Ukraine, like, oh, God, I really don't want to hear about this. I don't want to look at it because, you know, you just everything that you just said. And then um, but what really got to me the most recently was, you know, they didn't do anything for the people in Ohio and um, sent more money yet to the Ukraine. And I, that just like literally made me sick to my stomach because like us going through like Hurricane Ida, which was not televised, the media didn't tell the truth about it. It was way worse than Katrina. We went through that. We helped a ton of people and donated and did everything, our due diligence, 100% for our community. And then I was, you know, telling my sister, I'm like, God, can you imagine like what we went through and times like 10, these people, they're probably terrified to even like walk outside because of the chemicals. But not everybody has the money to just get up and go and do whatever, you know, oh, let me go stay in another state until this clears up. That's not the reality of it. Just like it wasn't the reality for most, you know, people here to just go stay somewhere else. You just have to endure like not having clean water or power. It's just the way it is. And, um, yeah, it was it was pretty um, it was pretty telling that, you know, Donald Trump was the one sending water and food and resources. Meanwhile, our installed president is at America too, over in the Ukraine, and. The thing that bothers me the most is that all these people that are popping up tied to Christina Pushaw, well, allegedly tied, I should say, and to a lot of people that are surrounding the DeSantis camp, I'm not comfortable with because they want to give Trump a lot of shit for, you know, potential money that he made off of the water that he sent that he sent from his own pocket, taking into no account the travel costs, the shipping costs, the costs of labor to get those resources there when our federal government sat idly by and focused on their, their laundromat. You know, they, they made uh, Pete Buttigieg sit outside in the hall while the mayor of East Palestine was talking to Rudy Giuliani about what do we need to get this resolved? I think that just just about says it all. And it's times like these when you need serious people. You don't need, you know, an installed appointee or a, an installed box check mark. You need people that are going to know how to handle a situation. But I'm sure I think, um, Katie, you've probably read the thread that I made about uh, QVI. TVM, the the fund that's tied into the logistics and drains and everything and what's going on there. And the controlled burn of vinyl chloride causes increased toxicity levels in both the soil, the water, and in the atmosphere. It's absolutely a no-no. It is not the way to remove those chemicals. Uh, it, and it didn't happen because of an incompetence. Uh, I think we were talking about this earlier. Jonathan, the EPA said the air and the water is fine. The EPA said it. Did they? Did they? Fine. Yeah. I think that uh, if we, in after 2024, let's say we have a genuine election, and the people that the, the, the elected leaders that the people actually vote for get into power, I think a good rule of thumb should be to abolish all three-letter agencies, 
and then let them argue for their right to exist. And we'll start from there. And you'll be amazed at how quickly things can be turned around and how quickly things can be left up to the individual states to be handled. There are so many, like the FDA, the CDC, and the World Health Organization, our participation or the existence of those organizations has to come to an end. It just, it has to. We're going to lose our sovereignty if they continue to exist. They helped subsidize the steal of the November midterms. Um, they've helped to weaponize federal enforcement and surveillance against conser conservatives, conservative politicians, and conservative leaders uh, leading up to, during, and after the elections. And it should be the default assumption whenever a three-letter agency in this country says something at this point should be, okay, I know what you're telling me is pure, unadulterated bullshit. I'm going to do my research, my own research, and I'm going to try to convince myself that you're not lying to me. That should be the way that you process information that's put out by the government right now. What do you think about um, the information that came out earlier um, in the Arizona court hearing where they're talking about the cartel being involved and the lady that was, um, you know, giving her reveal um, is, is talking about people that are in that same room about how they're involved with the cartel? Well, let me be clear. I've never had any correspondence with her. I did not know she even existed until two days ago, until her testimony at the hearing. But it does nothing but corroborate everything that I found in, you know, my research and our team's research, because you take two independent bodies that are worlds apart, and they both come to the same independent conclusions without having any correspondence prior to. I absolutely 100% believe that there's a lot of merit to what she said. I don't know the depths at which certain players are involved, but I absolutely believe Katie Hobbs, Adrian Fontes, Ken Bennett, uh, Stephen Richard wasn't on the deeds list, but I know that he's an installed plant. I live in Chicago, and he's got an office up there. I, I, I know the game with him. That's all I'll say. Um, He's a, a University of Chicago grad, but Adrian Fontes, even Garrett Archer, uh, the data guru, so to speak. But these are all installed puppets to keep the racket going. And as we explore further and more and more information comes out, I would bet that it doesn't just corroborate what we've already found, but it only gets worse, honestly. Yeah, definitely. Well, I hope that between the digital soldiers and uh, people working behind the scenes can really pull through and hopefully have everybody that's, you know, that wants a country back, that wants to stand up against this tyranny that is tired of just this fake government just enforcing like what they want us to do upon our lives. Hopefully when we can all break free, we can celebrate like it's the 4th of July. <laughs> That'd be great. I, I would love to celebrate in a peaceful means. Let's just say yeah. that. I would just like to say, you know, I appreciate you guys having me on and give me a chance to to share some things that we've uncovered. And I know it's this is just the tip of the iceberg, 
if you will, but I'm incredibly appreciative of anybody who is willing to give a nobody like myself the ability to to come and share and hopefully educate people on what's really going on and 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 to look more closely at every piece of information that's coming down from the mainstream media, everything that's going on with the government, because we are, like you said, uh, Katie, we're at war. And, you know, you have to be aware of your enemy to be able to successfully fight your enemy. You know, thank you. Thank you for being here too. We do have one final question for you. I think everything that you've said so far has been, you know, important, important pieces of the puzzle. Thank you for, for being part of this fight and thank you for the information that you share. We do have one final question for you. Yes. Thank you so much for being here, Jonathan. So our final question is if you had one minute to send a message to the entire world, what would it be? My message would be don't give up stay passionate about the truth know that there are far more of us than there are of them and more and more people are waking up every day more and more people than anybody can possibly know are willing to die for this cause and because the cause justifies that payment and i would say that myself my team and many others behind the scenes are not going to rest until we win this fight but we know that it, this fight is worth it and i'll be damned if i'm going to live on my knees i'm just i'm not that kind of person i know that there are many more around the world that are willing to pour everything into it because it's the fight for the ex existential existence of human life it, it's going to dictate the world that we leave to our kids and our grandkids. And we are in that moment where we can affect it. And we are faced with the decision, what are we going to do? Are we going to have to look our kids and our grandkids in the face one day and say, grandpa or grandma didn't do something when they had the chance to make a better existence for you or or for your kids or for your loved ones. And I could never um, live with myself having to, to say something otherwise. And so the people that are behind all this, you should know that people are working nonstop. That was great. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was an awesome message. We need that hope. We need to be reminded that we're not alone. Before you go, hit follow and share with a friend. Wake up to a new episode of Louisiana Sister Squad podcast every Tuesday.